Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson and I am the editor of the BJGP. In this episode, we interviewed Dr. Austin O'Carroll, who is a GP based in Dublin and founder of SafetyNet Ireland and North Dublin City GP Training and co-founder GP Care for All. So this is a little bit different today, and it's an interview with Austin. It's not about a pot, it's not about a research article. It's about an opinion article that Austin wrote that was originally published on BJGP Life. It is quite a short article, and it has appeared in the print issue since as well. And I will add the link to the BJGP Life article to the show notes here too. I would recommend that you go and read the article first on this occasion. As, as I said already, it's relatively short, and it will give you some very important context for the discussion. Before I go any further, the next thing I have to do is to warn you that there is the use of swear words in this podcast. That may be obvious from the title, but I should say that it's actually very minimal and only appears in the very first minute. So about 60 seconds after Austin starts speaking, there's no more swearing after that. So if that does bother you, then you can skip ahead of that small section. I started by asking Austin to tell us a little bit more about his article and what it's all about. Well, the triple fuck syndrome uh, refers to a process where medicine uh, provides what I call the third fuck in a form of societal oppression. The first fuck is where society creates a, a huge inequity that leads to poverty and deprivation. And a child is born into that poverty or deprivation. That's the first fuck. The second one is that that child then grows up into an adult and that adult is blamed for a variety of factors related to poverty. Sometimes they're blamed for being poor. I mean, the Prime Minister of the UK and the Prime Ministers of Ireland have both said that they represent parties uh, where people work, get up early in the morning and the people who work hard, implying that those people in poverty don't. And secondly, they blame them for, we our society blames them for the behaviours associated with coming from poverty. So such behaviours as uh, aggression, criminality, uh, drug misuse and in children, child misbehaviour. So we blame those people for these behaviours which are related to coming from poverty. And the third and final fuck is that in medicine, we label people with these particular behaviours as having a personality disorder, which to me is just so unjust because it, you know, the causation is, 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 is both trauma and poverty, and yet we somehow blame that central core existential part of us, which is our personality, as if we're to blame. Um, and if the people with personality are to, are to blame for these behaviours, and I just think that's so unjust and unfair. And it's hard to imagine anything more dehumanising as well. And you touch on this in your article that to actually, as you say, it's like that very part of our being, our personality is what gets blamed for then for these, for this, for for, for everything that happens to these people. Yeah, like it's, it's your 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 person, your whole central being is is disordered. I mean, I to me, the litmus test is for a stigmatizing label is do you, would you mind being called it would you mind your parents or your children and there is no way any of us would accept ourselves being labeled with this or our children or our parents um and so it's it's easy to label others who we see as some and i think we it's, it it not only dehumanizes them but in ways we have to see them as less human if we're labeling them with that personality disorder, we're then just ascribing them as not as people, they're not John, they become a series of symptoms and behaviors that we, that we congregate into this label personality disorder. So I think it's the, one of the most dehumanizing processes we know of in medicine. Your article goes on to talk, to, to explore a little bit more about personality disorder and, and you argue it's not a disease at all. Tell us a little bit more about that. 
Well, I always love asking groups of doctors, uh, do they know what a disease is? Because you'd be surprised the amount of doctors who don't know what a disease is. And um, I suppose just to go into it, a disease is where there is pathology. So in other words, you put someone on a post-mortem slab um, and you were able to find the pathology. You do blood tests, you find the pathological process. You put things under a microscope, you find the pathology. Uh, illnesses are where you've got symptoms. And you can have a disease without an illness, like a silent cancer. But actually, as GPs, we all know, we have many people uh, who have got uh, illnesses and don't have a disease basis. And I think it's important also to think, people often think, oh, you have a treatment, there's a disease. That's not true. So if you're anxious before an exam, I can give you Valium and it'll relax you. But that doesn't mean you're that's a disease. And the third thing is, I often think uh, psychiatry uh, does have an issue, and it's well recognized it is an issue, because a lot of it's conditions are based on symptoms or behaviours and not on pathology. Um, and this is based through the DSM, which is actually a committee um, where you lobby, the, I mean, people lobby the committee to have something recognised as a disease or a disorder. Like that, that doesn't happen anywhere else in medicine. You either have a disease through pathology or not. It's not a question of having a committee decide. So, um, and, and the second thing is, um, so I just lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, oh, yeah. So also one thing that psychiatrists, they, they often refer to is theory. So the biological, so the, you know, the biochemical theory of, of a disease. And the thing is, I no problems with biochemical theories, but they are theories. And the second thing they often do is, I often think is if they lose the pathological bunker, they go back to the biological bunker. And biological sounds like pathological, but it's not. Everything is biological. So in other words, I'm talking to you. There are biological processes going on in place. I'm raising my hands. There's biological processes in place. Biological doesn't really mean that much. And the last thing to, to point out is that having a genetic tendency to have something doesn't create a disease. Genetic disorders are disease-based in a sense, or, or, or you could qualify as diseases, but where you have a genetic tendency. So uh, I could have a genetic tendency to be happy. Some people may have a genetic tendency to be sad. That doesn't make either of them a disease-based. So a lot of psychiatric uh, conditions have this issue to deal with. Personality disorder, there is no pathology associated with it. The genetic tendencies are weak and, and um, unclear, and they are nothing as strong as the associations with the background of trauma or a background of poverty. That's one of the second points, but we'll just linger a little bit on that personality disorder. There, I mean, you, one has to recognise that there are so many different combinations of these rather vague, difficult to define, highly subjective symptoms, which get which again get put through a very subjective evaluation. Um, and it, there's a there's a there's a serious lack of objectivity. One could argue with 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 many of these personality disorder constructs. Well, I think if anyone has an understanding of trauma, you understand how a lot of these behaviours and features, such as the, we describe personality disorder, originate both in trauma, which is also associated with poverty. And, you know, as someone who works with people, it often takes you years to find this out. And then people make this these one or two interviews where they diagnose a, a huge range of very vague constructs, such as deceitfulness, manipulativeness. They're very vague. They're very subjective. There's no objectivity. And you have a total of 256 combinations of these particular features, so much to, to such an extent that you can have two people uh, diagnosed with personality disorder who only share one of these 256 combinations. And also with the, the type of things you in these combinations, most people with personality disorder can be diagnosed with an alternate personality disorder or an alternate psychiatric condition. 
it's just way too vague, way too unobjective. Um, and it's it's like it's almost like the, the, the 256 is throwing out a net to catch every type of behavior we don't like and pull it into personality disorder. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about the kind of, you said, the, the features which are strongly associated to uh, the behavioral features of personality disorders, which are just so strongly related to childhood trauma and poverty. So there's a growing body of evidence about childhood trauma showing that it has such a significant effect on uh, behaviors both in childhood and in adulthood, as well as a wide range of other uh, health outcomes. We know that children um, with, with trauma are much likely to be misbehave, uh, have behavioural maladjustments uh, when they're young. Um, and as they grow into adults, that they're more likely to end up uh, displaying behaviours such as aggression, uh, such as um, such as uh, crime, get involved in crime, such as addiction. And all the evidence seems to show that people get hardwired into this fight or flight response due to the trauma. It's their way of survival. And what happens is as they grow older and they end up in conditions where you or me uh, don't necessarily see as threatening or dangerous, or if we do see as, as, as anxiety invoking, we have a response that's quite adaptive, they react the same way as they did as children, they lose it. Um, so trauma is definitely a significant factor. We also know from the evidence that poverty is highly associated with the diagnosis of personality disorder, as well as with the features of, that are, that are, you know, such as criminality, aggression, um, crime, addiction that are associated with the diagnosis of personality disorder. Um, and anyway, trauma and, and poverty are incredibly interlinked because it makes sense. People born into poverty are much more likely to have um, you know, histories of significant trauma. So... Going back to the, you know, the personality disorder, it's just so unjust that these are the two biggest features in terms of, cause, of associations in terms of possible causation. Now, I'm sorry, causation, because it sounds like I'm causing something. I don't think personality disorder is anything. But if they're, you know, these, of, the, of the behaviors, these are the two main causes of these types of behaviors. And therefore, to then suddenly ascribe these behaviors to some internal personality dysfunction, um, it's, it's unjust in terms of to the person, but it's also, from a societal point of view, it takes the focus off the real issues, which are inequity and inequality and how to reduce childhood trauma. So, um, yeah, it stops our society focusing on trying to address these things. I definitely want to ask you just at the end what we think we can do differently. But before we do that, I think we have to point out that the you made the case that it's not just a it's not a benign thing a diagnosis of personality disorder, and you make the case that it's harmful. Yeah, I, I like I, I do believe sometimes labels can be useful. The way I the way I see labels is, for example, I think ADHD is is a medical construction as an example, but um, I have a family member with ADHD. And what I found really interesting was when they had that label, it allowed, I, I, this person found it difficult in school. And I think we have a certain type of school system which expects kids to sit down and concentrate and not be able to move around. And because we have this narrow focus of a school, if a child doesn't fit in there, we have to give a label so we can get them the services to be able to help them fit in. Okay, so I think labels can be useful for getting services to but not for understanding what's going on for the person. You know, they're just a, a service director. So if personality disorder was a label for getting useful services to and actually helped the person, I would say that's grand. I understand the use of the label. And I'd actually argue for a different label, but I would think it would be, a, you know, maybe a social equity disorder label. I'd argue there's a reason. But the problem is it actually has almost minimal beneficial effects and huge 
deleterious effects. We know that people are hugely um, exposed to stigma. We know they have higher rates of unemployment, homelessness, addiction. And we know in medicine that the reaction is... Um, is you know is highly stigmatizing. We tend to describe them as manipulative. There, people talk in terms of personality disorder uh, in very negative tones, and we know that it usually results in exclusion from services rather than inclusion inclusion in services. And uh, I mean, I've I've heard this myself. I heard you know doctors saying, "Oh, you know, be careful." Then they have a personality disorder, and so immediately you're 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 set up. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to be careful, and you know. Um, you know, they're probably going to try and manipulate me. So you're suspicious of them. It's sort of it's it's, it's sort of in a long line of that patient hate type labels like heart sink um are you know manipulative or deceitful um labels where doctors label patients um um, um to to and they start talking to each other. And I remember I, I was always wary of this because I always remember having a hearing patients who were they were told they're heart sink patients. And I went in all defensive, and then I found I liked them. So that's why I think those type of labels are so dangerous when we use them in this stigmatizing. The other one, interesting one, was when it came to um, like suicidal behavior, you know, self-harm, which has often ended up in diagnosis of personality disorder, where you feel it isn't going to end up in significant suicidality. Um, and people often just diagnosed it. People said that they felt they were, uh, doctors were very unsympathetic to them when they had the diagnosis of personality disorder. This is particularly injurious because they have a higher rate of suicide when they actually self-harm, and it's a significantly higher rate. So anything that affects our ability to empathize with such patients is definitely um, a problem or a, a significant problem for medicine. One of the things I noted from the article was uh, you commented that it was the oppression of marginalised people and of women as well. There's a there's a healthy dose of misogyny that's been thrown in here, particularly perhaps with borderline personality disorder. But what do you think? So in conclusion, what do you think we should be doing differently here? My, my own feeling is that, you, you know, if, if the, if the, I don't think there's anything useful to this label. I think we should just throw it out. And I think I personally think, you know, we should address the issues. So we have to address the behaviours because they appear in our surgery every day. People come in. Um, come in and say, I can't control my temper, I, I lose it. Um, and the manipulative that happens in the practice, you know, and obviously the drug addiction is, is a significant issue that we need to address. We do have a, you know, there is a sort of a, this concept in medicine that you have to have a diagnosis to treat or to provide support. And as doctors, first of all, as we do treat diagnoses, we also treat many symptoms, um, both with medicines and interventions. So, you know, people come in with symptoms uh, of, of anxiety where we know there's a particular cause for that anxiety. And we sometimes use medicines to treat that. Uh, we sometimes use counselling to treat it. Um, but also, we, we, we also as doctors don't necessarily purely treat. We also provide management strategies. So... I think if you that the problem about a the diagnosis or a disorder, it almost particularly if you it implies as a pathology, it pushes you towards medical treatment only because you, you get into that construct of diagnosis, disorder, treat. When you get into these these particular behaviours, you get into the idea of I need to manage this and help this person manage this, and I have an array of possibilities, including medication, including counselling. But uh, also including using, for example, social prescribing. Maybe this person needs to get into a group to manage their behaviours. Maybe they are need to get into a support group just to, to learn how to be human. Maybe, and we do know that there are certain therapies and 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 um, that are particularly useful for dealing with trauma, uh, um, which are very hard to get still. Um, so 
I think that's the first thing as doctors, it moves, we can manage, we don't have to manage diagnoses, we can manage behavior, symptoms, uh, patient problems. Um, and the second thing is, we need to talk to society because we don't have the answer to all these things. The root causes says is trauma and, and, and inequity. They need to be addressed as well. And we also need, in the medical world, we do need a range of treatment suitable for managing trauma. And that includes a multi-type team, team with other various um, uh, interventions that um, are not purely medical. Um, so that's the way I would go. If we do need to label someone with something just so that we can get them to services, uh, then label them of what the cause is. You know, it's trauma. You know, you know, uh, post traumatic stress. If, yeah, that I buy into. Um, or if we really want to call it social inequity disorder, but I mean, I say that more as a joke than a thing because I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it does. I always go back to the idea. I remember in Ireland. I don't know if you had it in England. If a child was born of unmarried parents, they were called an illegitimate child. And eventually, um, you know, in the nineties. People started saying, oh, hold on, we're blaming the child for the parent's problem. Now, the parents don't have a problem, but if you're going to label anyone with the issue, you shouldn't label the child. It was the parent's issue. So, you know, that's why social inequity disorder is saying name. If you want to name someone with a disorder, name where the issue lies. And that's why I use that term. Yeah, I recognise it's tongue in cheek somewhat, but it, I just say, yeah. but it's but it um, but you're flagging the underlying or one of the underlying problems. There exactly. is. Um, Austin, it's an absolutely fascinating area. It's a very, it's been a very well received article that's generated lots of comment and lots of discussion as well. But there are comments at BJGP Life where you've, where people have rebutted some of the things you've said as well, and you've also engaged in the discussion there. So that's a really good place to go if they, for people if they want to look into this a little bit further as well. Austin, that's been incredibly uh, insightful, incredibly helpful, very stimulating. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking, as you, as you can see. You got me on a launch pad. <laughs> Thanks, Austin. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. <music>